In this episode of Wisdom Talks, John Barta reflects on the four stages of enlightenment as categorized in Theravada Buddhism. They relate to psychological factors that hold the mind back or hinder the mind from being completely free from stress, distress, angst, unease and suffering. So well, those of you that have been um, uh, here for a while over the last uh, few months know that we've been uh, looking at uh, various collections of sets of four, teachings uh, of four that uh, relate to the Buddha's teachings with regards to particular perspectives or practices. And um, we're moving towards the end of that. Um, I had thought I'd finished that um, a week or two ago, but uh, I found some more sets of four that uh, I thought to uh, share with you. And um, in a way, we've moved from sets of four that have been quite uh, fundamental, even somewhat uh, basic and gross, like the four, uh, the four main, um, how to say, um, um, elements, you could say, of uh, the uh, earth element, the uh, water element, the fire element, the air element that make up our body, right through to um, more um, teachings uh, such as the, the Four Noble Truths that the Buddha taught, and then the Four Sources of Stress and Suffering, the uh, Four Right Efforts for Dealing with uh, Stress and Suffering, the Four Spiritual Emotions, the... Um, um, what else do we have? The uh, four foundations of mindfulness. Four foundations of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. He has to be mindful. The four ultimate concepts, which was uh, last week, and also the four the four miracles and the uh, the four V's that relate to um, one's uh, psychological self. So another set of four for tonight. And um, uh, if it does seem a bit uh, obscure for those people that haven't been here before, then um, that's okay. Um, it's probably obscure or um, difficult to comprehend for most people, but uh, it's good to uh, be open, receptive, and there's always something new to learn and uh, find out about. So this evening, looking into the four stages of enlightenment something which you probably haven't um, heard much about before. And uh, this is a classification or a a categorization that is uh, in the context of uh, Buddhism, the Buddha's teachings, and especially especially the oldest school of Buddhism, Theravada Buddhism. And um, so in this it talks about uh, what are called Arya Pugala. Arya means uh, noble or enlightened. Pugala is the word for a person, persons. From the ancient Indian language of early Buddhism, Pali, and I'll give the uh, the four uh, the four names of these uh, four stages or four types of people, four types of enlightened uh, people, and in a way they relate to they relate to um, uh, psychological factors that um, hold the mind back or limit the mind or hinder the mind from being completely free completely free from stress, distress, angst, unease, suffering. And I think probably for most people, for most people that's 
that's uh, what we would like to have, a mind that's uh, free from confusion, frustration, irritation, disappointment, distress, grief, guilt, shame, etc. Uh, and that, that certainly is possible. There's a lot that goes along with that as well. And um, in its ultimate sense, the mind that is completely freed from things that hinder, harm, um, limit, hold back, is called the enlightened mind. And so in uh, the Buddha's teachings, and even what we can call Buddhist psychology, there are a set of ten things that limit the mind from that purity, that clarity. Somewhat like uh, clouds. Clouds um, getting in the way of the, the brilliance of the sun. Like ten layers of, uh, of cloud that, um, that limit the sun penetrating fully through. I'll read out a list of the, the ten, these ten hindrances or limitations or defilements. Um, so they are, the first one is um, being caught into the belief in a permanent personality, a, a permanent, separate I self that doesn't change. The second one is um, uh, doubt or skepticism as to uh, wisdom teachings such as the Buddha, so being caught into doubt and skepticism. The third is um, being attached to rites and rituals and ceremonies, thinking that they are the thing that's going to save you. So believing in those, um, being attached to those is going to be the, the, the thing to save you, and just doing those is going to be the, the way to freedom or, or peace. The uh, fourth is uh, attachment to sense desires. So this is the one that um, gets a bit challenging. <laughs> so not just having sensory experience and, and sense pleasures, but the attachment, getting caught in them, getting stuck in them. And then the um, uh, number five is uh, being caught into anger, frustration, irritation, ill will. And often that has to do with the sense of ego, self, according to self-centeredness. And uh, now they get a bit more refined. Number six is craving or desire for existence in the form of um, some sort of worldly, uh, world heaven, um, like a, um, a subtle heavenly realm to be, be reborn into, so attachment to that. The next one is... Um, craving for some sort of existence in a um, formless, subtle, subtle heaven realm. Number eight is uh, conceit, being caught into egoic self, so self-centeredness in a subtle way, refined way. And number nine is uh, underlying restlessness that comes from being caught into egoic self. And number ten is uh, ignorance, not understanding the way of things. So these are ten, ten fetters or hindrances. They're they're mental, fundamentally mental, psychological. There's a, probably an emotional element to them as well, obviously. But if the mind is completely freed from those, then the result is complete spiritual enlightenment, freedom. So um, we can now go through the particular stages of enlightenment. So the first stage of enlightenment that um, 
someone may realize. It's called uh, sotapanna, and that's the, uh, the Buddhist term from the uh, Pali language, ancient India, and that translates as a stream enterer. So if through uh, your meditation practice and through some uh, reflection and understanding, your mind becomes freed from the first <coughs> three hindrances, those first three psychological hindrances, such as being caught into or the belief in a separate separate identity self. Um, second, attachment to rites and rituals, that that's the way to, to happiness and uh, to freedom. And also, if uh, the mind is freed from doubt about the wisdom teachings, such as the teachings of the Buddha, then that is the realization or attainment of um, entering the stream. And it's called stream enterer or um, entering the stream and it's entering the stream that's flowing flowing in one direction that direction is towards ultimate happiness ultimate uh, um, psycho spiritual um, purity peace enlightenment and it's said that um, someone a mind a person a mind that um, realizes this first stage of enlightenment is assured of realizing complete enlightenment within seven lifetimes. Which um, you might think seven lifetimes is a long time, but um, it's like, oh gosh, how many, how many centuries is that? <laughs> uh, but um, from a, a Buddhist cosmological sense, that um, our mind or life force has been reborn thousands of times just that we can't remember which could be a good thing <laughs> and if we had to remember even just trying to even just remembering all the stuff all the negative stuff that we went through this lifetime that'd be you know too much all the pain and all the torment and all the bullying and all the frustrations and all the things we've missed out on and we were, we were remember, remember a few things, but um, it's a good thing that we don't. But so obviously the mind doesn't remember all these lifetimes. It's seemingly so. It's said that we that our mind has been has gone through in different bodies, different lifetimes, and so forth. So the fact is that um, with this realization of clarity and wisdom, the possibility of only getting reborn, not as you because you are based upon the conditioning of this lifetime, um, but your mind or life force, your energy force, is only reborn into, um, at the most, another seven, another seven um, lives. Which, um, in fact, who knows how long this Earth's got. <laughs> Seems such a mess. Will it, will it last another 700 years? Gosh. <laughs> You know, the, the amount of pollution and uh, everyone struggling for for space and um, let alone work, let alone a house in Sydney, gosh. <laughs> so um, all that is uh, motivation to, hey, wake up, realize enlightenment, um, at least within seven lifetimes, because uh, uh, who knows what sort of a mess think the place is going to be in you know, beyond that time. So... Uh, there is also the possibility of less than that, so that the second stage of uh, enlightenment uh, has, which is called a um, sakadagami, otherwise uh, termed a once-returner. So someone that has uh, 
realize uh, a, a greater degree of depth of understanding, seeing truth, seeing reality, uh, and their mind further being reduced, not just from the first three things that limit, but um, another two. And term to one's returner as in um, their mind, once the body dies, their mind or life force is only going to get reborn as a human being one more time before potential enlightenment occurs. So uh, that might be a, a better option. It's like, okay, well, um, whatever you don't get done this lifetime, do it next lifetime and that's it. Enough. I finished already. And uh, the what is reduced in that stage of enlightenment, the second stage of enlightenment, is uh, um, a reduction in attachment to sense desires and also a great reduction in ill will or anger. And much of this again is because there's a, a seeing, the seeing what the egoic self is, you know, the sense of I, the sense of me, the whole sense of me and mine and I, because that's seen through, then there's there's less uh, less frustrations and irritations and uh, disappointments that come from being really stuck into I. The mind is sort of more aware of the I is just a, a relational tool. It's um, something which you can use. As I've said many times before, it's like like the the um, uh, multi uh, um, potential device of an iPhone. An iPhone is more than just a phone. It's um, uh, a multi-tool. And so the self is a psychological uh, multi-tool. It does a number of different things. And um, in a way, for this second stage of enlightenment, like the fabric, which is self, there's it's got a bit, uh, it's less, and so there's more light coming through. So less caught up into the heavy layers of desire and wanting and and fighting and being aggressive because I'm not getting what I want and I want to have more of what I don't have and trying to push away what I don't like and etc etc. So there's there's more light coming through, so more ease, more peace. The uh, third stage of enlightenment is called an anagami, uh, otherwise uh, termed a non-returner, which means that this particular person, individual or mind. Um, is not going to get reborn again as um, as a human being because their their mind has become more refined. There's and in that there's um, no more sense desire, so the mind is freed from sense desire and freed from ill will, aversion, even to you know, subtle frustration. So uh, the things that would otherwise get you caught into uh, wanting to have one of these bodies. So you can eat fish and chips and um, 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 Golden Gate Time bars and uh, uh, ice creams and uh, go to the movies and uh, drink red wine and uh, go surfing, whatever. It's like, don't need to do that. So, so you don't need one of these, these gross physical form bodies. But, but there is still subtle attachment and a subtle sense of me being separate from some someone else or something else. So after this body dies, then the mind of a, a non-returner, the mind or life force, that energetic life force, 
is likely to be um, born into a, um, a another body, but not a body of gross energy, because our bodies they're they're um, slow spinning energy, um, and so that um, there are other bodies according to Buddhist cosmology, bodies that have yes energy, but it's spinning faster like light. Light is a is a faster spinning energy than than the energy manifesting as as cells and flesh and blood and bone and gristle and sinew and pus and blood and all that sort of stuff, just to name a few things. So um, a body a body that doesn't uh, doesn't creak, that doesn't sort of get itchy, that doesn't sweat, doesn't fart, um, doesn't uh, gurgle, um, etc. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> just a body of of faster spinning energy as light, uh, and that's called like a, a celestial or angelic body. So, like many religions, traditions, spiritual traditions, um, even in Buddhism, there is this concept of um, uh, a realm or plane of existence that is beyond the human realm, so celestial realm. In the same way, and I might go, oh, it's a bit far out, sure, but so is it pretty far out if, if um, a hundred years ago, we could say, hey, um, there could be a room like this and you could put a device in it to see images because actually there's, there's images going through this room. There's sound going through this room. This room is sort of full of Wi-Fi from the next door neighbor, the ones over there as well. Um, there's there's uh, radio waves, pick up radio waves. There's um, all sorts of information going through here. Hundred years ago, someone would go, "Come on, get out of here! Don't believe that." Um, if, it's, if there's no copper wire attached, how could there be anything happening? But of course, there's energy and information is passing through here. Just we don't we don't have the apparatus in our body to pick it up, usually, um, and that's why we have these digital things that can pick up information that's being sent. So too, there may be energy manifesting on a different frequency that is of a um, as a as a body as a the mind is being born and created into a body on a different um, level um, so you never know what you're going to pick up with your wi-fi <laughs> might pick up some sort of celestial being <laughs> maybe, maybe they're the ones that sort of fiddle with uh, why isn't the Wi-Fi working they sort of uh, get out of the way <laughs> the ghost in the machine um, so that's the idea of um, a rebirth on a on a realm beyond the human plane, and um, so beyond beyond that particular third level of refinement of um, mind or consciousness, um, or refinement of the psychological, mental state and tendencies. Beyond that is complete enlightenment. And that stage, which is the fourth stage of enlightenment, that is called an arahant. Arya is the word generally used for uh, noble or enlightened, but uh, but in this context, as a person, an arahant is a fully enlightened uh, person, a mind that's completely free from the ten, ten limitations or ten fetters or ten hindrances. And so there's another another five. <coughs> These are more refined, so desire or craving for prosperity in the material world, that has gone. Craving for existence 
in um, a heaven well, uh, heaven realm. Um, subtle conceit, sense of um, I am, so the mind being released from that that sense of um, I am something or someone. And then subtle restlessness that comes from, again, having a sense of I, I like, I don't want, and etc., etc., not getting enough of, and also um, ignorance as to the, the way of reality or truth of things. So those five hindrances are gone in the mind of an enlightened, fully enlightened person. So then these are the, um, the four stages of enlightenment. And um, even though they might seem, well, you know, somewhat arbitrary, so what? But it can be helpful to know that um, um, in the context of spiritual development, um, even mental development, psychological development, beyond just um, self-help, that the mind can be uh, more engaged into purity, especially through meditation. And especially that, um, because I think there's more and more people that are starting to not just appreciate this, but but having insights or openings where the mind does become freed from some of these limitations. So it's good to see, ah, this is this is what's going on. There's a there, are, there is a refinement of my consciousness. My my sense of self isn't so heavy and thick and sort of stuck. And especially with the first stage of enlightenment the stream entra, that where there's um, insight, often um, that might be called satori in the Zen tradition, so um, insight, an insight, an enlightened um, insight, and a, an awakening to a reality, to truth beyond just uh, seeing things through self or as self, the sense of, oh, this self, this self that, that I have, Maybe that I aren't the self, but I have a self. It's something which is being used by the mind, again, as this um, relational tool. So if if the mind that's here wants to relate to another mind, then it needs a communication device. Apart from an iPhone, it's an i-self um, with the neurological wiring, uh, bio biochemical, electrical um information happening to relate to and from and so sometimes maybe in meditation when there's no need to for the mind to be firing up self the self can be in flight mode so no communication coming in no going out nothing's required off duty uh, all that's required is just awareness of an in-breath Awareness of an out-breath, not even my in-breath, and I like this in-breath, do you want to be proud of me, this in-breath, I had it really mindfully, but just an in-breath, an out-breath. So no self required for that. So the mind can actually, or the brain can actually turn off the, the mentalizing that's firing up self, can take a break. Awareness is still there. And then maybe, maybe that is strong enough that there's a insight, gosh, no self, peace. All the worries and troubles that I thought I had and that I, that I was, not there because self wasn't there. And and that, if it's fully penetrated, can be a very powerful insight that can change the life of the person that had that experience. So an awakening experience, a satori, a, a peak experience. Um, um, in a Christian sense, it's spoken about as a religious experience. 
and and that certainly can can occur which which may be um, along the lines of or certainly may be that first stage of of waking up awakening so um if you wish to find out more about these four stages of um, enlightenment or four stages of uh, refinement of consciousness or, or even self, then uh, you can certainly look into uh, some of the Buddha's teachings about these and uh, uh, also obviously online. There's uh, lots of information there about that as well. So I thought to offer that as uh, another set of four for contemplation and reflection. So what uh, what questions might come up for you about uh, these, or about these uh, ten hindrances even? Is there an order to that though? It's sort of like releasing three and then the next. Can you be releasing one down below? And uh, Yes, good point. Um, to some degree. So in a way, um, um, like they're, they're listed as ten, so that um, there might be... Um, uh, number eight might get less, especially with the first first stage of enlightenment, that sort of insight into uh, um, attachment to identity, self-view. So that, that limits, and number eight gets, gets sort of less as well. So um, they can sort of work like that, but um, in a strong way, those first three, when they go, and they, they would go together, so often sort of linking together, like the um, when there's um, sense, desire, and ill will. It's often that the ill will or the anger and frustration is tied in with um, desire for things. Mainly because I didn't get what I want. She got a bigger one. And oh, she got the last one. Or he got the one I wanted. Um, and, and so there's, they're, they're tied in together. Interesting that ill will is put on this in the second level. Yeah. So for for stream entra, they can still be angry. That's right. That's right. But not as not as angry as much. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and even even um, so, it's still there in the second level, and only fully goes in the third level. Mm. Especially when there's a seeing through of like, well, it's just. Um, self is upset, but why would self? What, what a waste of time, to waste of energy. So it's like um, the mind's not investing in the in the energy of ill will or frustration or disappointment or jealousy or greed. So not worth it. Uh, peace and joy and ease is being is valued more. It's a bit like the these ten uh, can be summarized down into the three main. Ills or stains or poisons uh, in Buddhism: greed, anger, and ignorance. So they're the three, the three main main ones. But then they divide into uh, or expand into those ten. You realised till very recently how clever your idea of describing the self as an iPhone is, because when I thought about. Um, being in conflict with someone, I've said to myself, it's two iPhones talking to each other, and I'm pulling from my software applications that I believe to be true, and they're pulling from theirs. Mm. And there's no you know, agreement in the middle. Mm. Um, when I apply that to the hindrances, when I, I, I 
have the choice, anyone has the choice, if the self is not fixed and is constructing in the present moment, it, if I can catch it, I can probably feel the energy of greed or ill will. Mm-hmm. I know what that is. But in Western society, I saw this lovely quote on Tricycle, the Buddhist site the other day, there's no such thing as positive and negative emotions. We just label them that way. They're packages of energy. So what we might label as negative going, actually that, that, that feeling of I'm angry has come up to tell me I should be cautious. Mm-hmm. I, I can choose to be angry, but I, I can also keep it inside and go, what's that, what's that really about? Oh yeah, my father used to do that, or um, I'm, I'm avoiding that task. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. asked me to go and get the shopping, and I don't want to, so I'm going to... Sure, and those emotions on a on a fundamental level, on a on a human level, are survival <clears throat> ways of uh, surviving and protecting. Uh, but obviously, obviously, they they lead to complications, and it's pretty much self complicates them beyond just basic survival for the body into all sorts of uh, things, and especially when there's even higher order emotions, as Daniel Goleman calls them. Um, um, pride and jealousy and um, envy and uh, um, despair and so forth beyond just the the basic six primal emotions happiness sadness fear anger surprise disgust which um, many animals have as well so the mind through engaging self creates more complex complex ideas complex thinking complex ideas complex sense of self more complex emotions and so uh, even just you know beyond they all come down to the those six primary ones but they're just more complex confusing so the idea of the the two iPhones um, relating and maybe not relating well that's where they can download they can both download the mindfulness app uh, they can download load the um, the spiritual emotions app and then relate from those ones on the same program, and things get better. But but otherwise, if they're they're just using the, the basic basic um, information that's there, it may not be suitable, and that's where complications occur. So in a way, coming to meditation is like um, um, an app for the mind to function more efficiently in, into life. Would it not be fair to say that when you look at your emotions, if you're observing your emotions through meditation, that you should respond to your emotions as opposed to react. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Res- responding is more responsible, Response. and reacting is yeah. more like a knee-jerk reaction, mm. um, which um, tends to be because there's uh, less time, space that mindfulness otherwise uh, offers to help people more consciously consider and reflect, and then use the emotion skillfully, which is also part of uh, EQ, emotional intelligence. Would an enlightened person be free of distress relative to, to things like harm, the things that happen to people, um, social injustice? Sure. It, it also depends upon conditioning, cultural conditioning and so forth. But um, there, there wouldn't be the, the um, my sense of it is there wouldn't be the ignorance to be caught up and taking it personally and going into confusion and distress. So 
the more um, what, like mindful for you know just anybody, the more mindful, then the more wise, um, and and then compassion that comes from wisdom. So real compassion as a result of wisdom, then there's going to be um, more concern for the welfare of others, less self-centeredness, because the 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 sense of self is seen for what it is, as opposed to it's all about me, it has to be about me, I come first. So less or no distress at all, but more of a, a sense of uh, being very there, aware, present, and then able to respond. Yeah, and even acceptance of if if the body's going to die, then it's, then that's what's going to happen. And especially for a mind that's um, um, enlightened, so to speak, then it's not like, well, um, I've got more work to do. The work's done. A mind that is enlightened is more likely to be wanting to be helpful. There's less self-interest, so that an enlightened mind is more likely to be able to go out of the way to be helpful and give teachings and guidance and uh, and so forth. For example, um, Ajahn Chah, one of the reasons that he, that he probably died was that he was so giving of teachings. He'd He'd, um, he was a Buddhist monk, that was the capacity that he was living within, but he'd just give of himself so much beyond just what was right for his body, and um, he'd um, be up very early in the morning, they'd get up at three o'clock and chanting and meditation and arms round, and, and um, then the meal would be brought and have his meal, and then he'd sit and give talks and teachings and counselling for people into the evening and hardly even go to the toilet, and it, it just ruined his body. But it was like, just give, and people came, I need, need this help, need this support, need this guidance, and he just give, 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 give. And, but uh, sometimes um, um, people have particular characteristics, uh, even, even though the mind is enlightened, but there's still personality characteristics that are there. So, for example, Ajahn Chah was, was very giving and caring. Ajahn Man... Uh, Thai, another Thai meditation master. He was quite um, stern and gruff, and um, even though supposedly enlightened, but the, his his self characteristics before enlightenment were there. So that the the persona was more gruff and stern. So he was um, very thin and gaunt. Ajahn Chah was sort of chubby and overweight. Um, so the ca- personality characteristics are still there, and that becomes how they relate and, and interface more. So to be a stream enterer, what, what would we need to consider then? If it's, we, we have to get a basic understanding of the teachings now, but then find, find a teacher or become a monk? Or... Well, certainly um, becoming a monastic, a monk or nun, is just a helpful convention to use. It's like... Uh, if you want to go and study something and study seriously, you can go to university. It's all there's there's teachers, there's there's tutorials, there's programs. It's set up. It's helpful. Monastic life is like that, but you don't need to go to university to learn something. You can you can study yourself. It might be more difficult, but it's possible. Uh, but um, in the con in the, in, the, in the context of practice, um, certainly. Uh, Whilst uh, spiritual teachings, wisdom teachings, are not limited to the Buddha's teachings, there's other religious traditions that uh, offer wise, well-considered teachings. Uh, my reckoning is that uh, the Buddha's teachings are 
very complete and easily accessible. They are easily understandable beyond just um, a lot of belief systems and cultural baggage, rites and rituals and so forth that certainly still are within what's called Buddhism, where Buddhism is a lot more than just the, the Buddha's teachings. Um, as you'll find if you go to a Buddhist country, there's a lot of ism, the Buddhism, cultural stuff that's there. So certainly the Buddha's teachings are a very clear, direct way to train the mind um, and then also speech and body towards uh, clarity, understanding, reducing stress, suffering, and towards uh, ultimate freedom. And that certainly includes the fundamental practice path of um, living in a wholesome way. Um, secondly, developing the mind through meditation, and then learning, understanding, engaging, applying, and realizing wisdom teachings. So morality, meditation, and wisdom as the as the three main elements of the uh, practice path uh, in Buddhism. And certainly, uh, um, as well as that, having someone to as a bit of a guide, mentor, as in a teacher, and um, having people to connect with. Uh, Sangha or group to connect with, inspire, talk with, share with, and so forth. And um, uh, in that context, not just a meditation group, but also maybe doing courses, doing retreats, doing workshops, just to help that whole process along. So many things that support that, that possibility. Putting in enough time, energy, effort to uh, to strengthen one's practice but it depends upon what you want it depends upon what self wants self would um, in a way the self would resist being um, realized as not being an ultimate permanent static stable entity so a uh, self might go no don't 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 look too far otherwise you might realize that i'm not real Keep uh, keep eating, keep drinking, keep drugging, keep sexing, keep buying, keep shopping. So um, and the world is that's that's the sales pitch of the world. Uh, don't meditate. Be happy if you drink more, and um, eat more, and shop more, and that that's the way to happiness. And I think if we realize that um, most of what we do want um, is not just things that might provide some sort of pleasure or happiness, but the, the result of that, we, we do want uh, ultimate peace and contentment. And that um, uh, whilst we might get sold the idea that if you get another one of these, a bigger one, a younger one, a red one, uh, get two, a newer one, you'll be happy. It's not, not ultimately the, not really the way to ultimate sustainable happiness, but often um, uh, living a bit more simply, um, and uh, having a peaceful, calm mind that's more content, that's a way to more of a, 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 a more sustainable and um, um, enduring happiness, the happiness beyond the world or beyond worldliness. So do give uh, these uh, four stages of enlightenment some consideration, especially around the ten hindrances. Those ten things that stand in the way that hinder that um, clarity of mind shining through. And um, do continue with your meditation. So have a good week and see you next time. That's all for this episode. 
Until next time, head over to wellawareness.com.au and discover what's on offer to relieve stress and suffering and enhance your health and well-being. From one-on-one counselling related to many issues facing individuals in today's modern world to meditation courses and retreats.